the Raiders have blown it up midseason. Uh, several trades at the deadline. We're going to break them all down. Are any of them meaningful? We'll we'll talk about it. We're going to have some fun discussion tonight about the best offensive linemen in the upcoming NFL draft class, and it's Senior Bowl season. All that and more coming up next on the Draft Countdown Podcast. Welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosor, joined as always by my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 175 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, 12 seconds away from the 2024 NFL Draft. It feels like we're getting close, and we're going to be talking, you know, a little senior bowl tonight. We're getting to our last offensive ranking here, so we're going to move to the defense. That means we're getting closer to the draft. I love it. The, the calendar has turned to November. This is the this is prime football season, right? We're we're the in the middle of it in the NFL. College football is in that home stretch of the regular season. Uh, just a reminder: if you're new to the channel tonight uh, on YouTube, go ahead and uh, subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell so you'll be notified when we go live each and every week. Like the videos, share them out, all that good stuff as well. If you're following us on Twitter, you know same as same there. And if you want to join our or if you're a member of our Discord. Go ahead and uh, join there. And uh, if you need to find a link to that, go to draftcountdown.com. It's the top right corner of the search bar. Join the Discord. And as always, we're taking questions each and every week. We answer them at the end of the show, be it in live in the chat, be it on Twitter, be it on Discord. Anyway, we will answer each and every one of your questions at the end of the show. But that takes us into the top 10, Shane. Last week we did a mock draft. We won't be doing that tonight. But we uh, we have movement Movement at the top of the draft. The Chicago Bears, I believe, for the first time since we've been doing this update, are no longer in possession of the top pick. That now belongs to the one and seven Arizona Cardinals. It, it does for now. You know, uh, the Cardinals haven't had their bye, but the Panthers have. So when that happens, if the Panthers lose again, those will flip flop. But, uh, yeah, it's the first time, and Arizona at one becomes interesting. Kyler Murray is going to be back soon. Uh, I, I think that's a, a harder sell maybe to take a quarterback at one overall than, than the Chicago Bears would be. Uh, speaking of the Chicago Bears, they now own the number two pick by way of Carolina and the number three pick, which is their own. Uh, number four now belongs to the New York Giants, and oh, my 
God, what an offensive performance that was this past week where we're seeing Tommy DeVito, who I don't even know how he started in college. <laughs> is now is he going to start this week? I I think Daniel Jones has a shot to start. So hopefully, hopefully not. Hopefully we don't see Tommy DeVito. Uh, they did have, add uh, Matt Barkley to the practice squad, so maybe we can get a little Matt Barkley action. <laughs> New England now uh, here at pick five. Uh, the wheels are falling off in Belichick Town. Speaking of the wheels falling off, poor Miranda, poor Paul. They're Green Bay Packers now picking six, two and five overall. They've lost four games in a row. Uh, Indianapolis, I think they were on a better trajectory uh, than they were before their injury to Anthony Richardson. I think they're talented enough. I don't think they're going to end up in the top ten. They're, they're scoring a ton of points still, but they're right. giving up a lot of points. Their defense is really bad. So, yeah, I, it's tough to say, but you feel like they could pull off a win or two in that division. I'm going to pass over eight for now. Uh, we're going to go to nine with the Denver Broncos, ten the L.A. Rams, who if they're going to be without Stafford for a while, uh, they could – that 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 uh, – ranking could they could be picking a lot higher uh as we all as we get closer but i skipped over eight for a reason that belongs to the las vegas raiders who today or very early in the wee hours of the morning uh fired head coach josh mcdaniels fired general manager dave ziggler and fired offensive coordinator whose name i don't know cleaned house today yeah, Mick Lombardi is the offensive coordinator they there fired. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, and they paid him, Josh McKinnon, a lot of money, and they're going to pay him a lot of money to not be there because he had a long contract with a lot of money. He's, a, he's about to join Cliff Kingsbury in Thailand on a one-way ticket. Yeah, I, I mean, so Mark Davis not ex- kind of keeping the uh, Al Davis tradition alive here of just, just hiring coaches and firing coaches. Um you know, if, if you look at the, the coaches that Mark Davis has hired and fired, it's a pretty brutal list of, like, not good coaches, and Josh McDaniels was the worst. I mean, he, this this was a bad – to lose to a, a Tyson Badgett, Bears get crushed by them. Uh, just some of the decisions on Monday night, like, yeah, I think, I think you had to do it uh, ultimately, and we'll see. Antonio Pierce, former Giants linebacker, now the interim head coach. Antonio Pierce, also the main protagonist in the scandal at Arizona State recruiting. But, you know, all that stuff's legal in the NFL, I guess. So, but yes. And uh, another thing with this in the Raiders situation here is Jimmy Garoppolo was basically brought in because he was McDaniel's guy. He's about to get paid to sit down as well. He's, I I don't think we're going to see, barring injuries, I don't think we're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo again in 2023 uh aiden o'connell now the starting quarterback for the raiders you you you, i would have bet a million dollars that aiden o'connell would never have been the best quarterback on this roster he he's the best quarterback on this roster like i he he, jimmy garoppolo garoppolo is washed he's done is washed i mean brian hoyer looked awful uh brian hoyer's been washed for four years (laughs) like aiden o'connell's by far the best quarterback put the young guy in, see what you got. I mean, I at least like that. I like they fired Mick Lombardi. Like, why keep this offense that 
you know, Devontae Adams has been talking right for weeks, like this is terrible. You know, why why keep it there? And um I forget they're promoting the quarterbacks coach, I forget his name, but he's kind of a kind of a hotter name um in you know around the NFL. So is uh might be interesting to see if, if the offense can pull something out here. Yeah. Um other teams close to that top ten, uh Washington three and five. Uh, Arizona for with Houston's pick three and four, Tampa Bay three and four. Um, <laughs> we were joke we, we we joke about the Saints a lot, but yeah, they're tied for the division lead because the NFC South is just it's it's bad. But yeah, uh, interesting times in the NFL for sure, especially when on Halloween yesterday was the NFL trade deadline, and I think we as fans. We see the NBA, we see Major League Baseball, and all the fun those fan bases get to have on the trade deadline day. And we want that, right? We want that for our NFL fan bases, and we just don't get it. It's a big, almost a big nothing burger every year. And this year, a little bit more the same, although we did have some surprising movement, maybe not surprising movement, but uh, some, some trades. And we're going to go through these. We'll talk more about some, less about others. But we're just going to go in order as they came in. Uh, Seattle acquires defensive lineman Leonard Williams from the Giants. The Giants get a 2024 second-round pick and a 2025 fifth-round pick. They were able to get that second-round pick because they basically agreed to eat almost the entirety of Leonard Williams' $10 million contract that he was owed for the balance of, of this year. So that's how they were able to get the second. But – uh, if a guy's not in your future plans and you're able to get a, a premium pick like that in the second round, which probably be a looking like a late second round pick uh, at the rate Seattle's going. I, I think it's a good move for Seattle. It was their biggest hole. I mean, we were mocking defensive linemen to them last year. They didn't even you know, take one. Um, so I think it's a good move. And for the Giants, you're not going anywhere this year. Eat the money. So what? and get the pick. I mean, just try to rebuild this thing. Um, another defensive lineman on the move. Uh, Atlanta, because Grady Jarrett towards ACL, needed needed some new guys in. Uh, they get Contavious Street over from uh, Philadelphia. Uh, they also get a 2025 seventh. Philadelphia picks up a 24 sixth. Yeah, but sure. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's talk about the other the big trades here. Well, basically, the Washington Commanders are just resetting the defense here. Uh, former number two overall pick Chase Young gets traded to San Francisco, who now have bookend Buckeye uh, pass rushers now with Young and Nick Boza. Uh, Washington gets the 49ers comp third-round pick, which I believe you said – should math out at around pick 100. Yeah, it, 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 because it, it was going to be the it's the one they got for the coaching and GM hires. So that'll be the last comp pick of the third round right now projected to be pick 100, the final pick of day 2. What are your thoughts on Chase Young getting moved? I like I I'm fine with it. I don't think the Washington Commanders are winning anything this year. They probably weren't re-signing him. So give me give me a, a pick, right? Like uh, to me that's what you should do if you're not going to sign the guy get the pick and move on if you were going to sign him then you know then it's, it's probably not the best value but chase young he, he was a number two overall pick 
he's, he hasn't played like it. Like this year is the first year he's playing like it. He's been hurt. He's been ineffective. So like, you know, he was, I don't think he was worth much more than a third as it was on the last year of the contract. And essentially, if you think about it like this, if you're not going to re-sign him and Chase Young gets a big contract in this offseason, which he probably will, then you're going to get a third round comp pick in 2025. So you're basically getting a year's advance on that third round comp pick if you think of it like that. Right. Though, you know, if you sign some guys, that could go right. away. You know, right. so but yeah, but like you said, I I think it's you're guaranteeing yourself that comp pick. So I don't mind I don't mind them taking, you know, pick one hundred instead of the 49ers third rounder with a couple picks higher. Like who cares? I think maybe the surprise of this was that they got more compensation or higher compensation for trading defensive end Montez Sweat, who was a second-round pick uh, coming out of Mississippi State in the same draft class as Chase Young, correct? Yeah. So also on an expiring contract, but they move him to Chicago for their the Bears' second-round pick. It will be the Bears' second-round pick, not somebody else's. So this is going to end up being a – pick in between 33 and 40 probably yeah i mean you have to think so right we saw the chase claypool deal last year kind of blow up on the bears face this can't go worse than that i i say i get why montez sweat's worth more i mean he's been better he is he's been a better player he's been healthier uh a high second versus a late third is a pretty big difference but like if, if Washington was asking for a second-round pick, a second's a second, it's a second, right? Chicago's second might be worth the same to them as the Jaguars' second-round pick. Like, you know, it, it doesn't matter where it is. We're charging the second. You want them or not. Um, I, just, I just think it's weird the Bears have traded the high second-round pick two years in a row, but they have a ton of cap space. They're going to have the most cap space next year. They probably would want to sign Sweat anyway, so you're kind of guaranteeing yourself – to, you, to, to I would it. anticipate they have a deal done with him long before free agency starts. Oh, yeah. I think it'll be in the next week or two. Um, Two two trades we'll go through quickly because there's not a whole lot to add. Uh, Minnesota gets a 2024 sixth-round pick from Jacksonville in exchange for guard Ezra Cleveland. Very athletic coming out of Boise State uh, when he played. Uh, some some good depth there for Jacksonville and Detroit picks up Donovan Peoples Jones, wide receiver from the Browns, in exchange for a 2025 sixth round pick. Yeah, I mean, I think those are fine. I, I like the Ezra Cleveland move for Jacksonville. I think he could start for them, so that works for me. Um, Buffalo picks up cornerback Rasul Douglas and a 2024 fifth round pick in exchange to Green Bay getting a 2024 third-round pick. So we're swapping a three and a five here for Rasul Douglas. I, I love that for Buffalo. I mean, I think it's their biggest need addressed, a guy that's pretty solid. Um, you know, same deal, Green Bay. Are you winning anything while Rasul Douglas is under contract? Probably not. And finally, in an interesting quarterback move, the second time he's been traded in the calendar year, is that is that a record? Uh, no, there's no way. Someone sort of had to have happened before. I'm sure it has. Uh, but Josh Dobbs on the move again after being traded from Cleveland to Arizona before the season started. Josh Dobbs is now being traded from Arizona to the Minnesota Vikings, who lost Kirk Cousins this week to a torn Achilles. Uh, 
they will get they will do a pick swap late in this draft a sixth and a, they're going to swap a sixth and a seventh and Josh Jobs on the move to Minnesota. Yeah, and Jonathan Gannon kind of gave this one away when he announced Josh Jobs the starter. Then the next day was like, eh, it's going to be Clayton Toon or Kyler Murray. Just kidding. Um, you, know, <laughs> you know, the reason you're changing that is if Josh Dobbs is getting traded, and he was. I think it's a dumb move for the Vikings. Like, it, it's super cheap, right? You're not winning the Super Bowl with Josh Dobbs. You're not, you're not winning the division with Josh Dobbs. You might win an extra game or two and have a worse draft pick. Kevin O'Connell's not getting fired. No matter what, like I, I don't, I, you know, Questy's not getting fired. Why, why just play Jaron Hall and lose, you know? But that's that's my draft side talking, I guess. Yeah, thanks for the the quarterback that you were gonna try to replace Kirk Cousins with anyway. The, to me, this just accelerated the process. Yeah, yeah, it almost I almost feel like the injury to Kirk Cousins makes it more likely they re-sign Kirk Cousins now, right? Because I, I think they're gonna win six, seven games and not be able to draft a quarterback and maybe they say, spring him back. He's, he's better than better than what we're going to get. I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Let's look back at last week of college football. We do this every week where we talk about the uh, best offense and defensive players from the four games that we each watched. And um, Shane, you've been known to do this from time to time when talking about an offensive player. Uh, I believe this is the first time I've said that the best offensive player I watched this week, and this is definitely a detriment to the offensive skill players that I watched this week. I'm just going to say that out loud. But uh, the best offensive player I watched this week, I believe, was Boston College interior offensive lineman Christian Mahogany yeah. in their game against UConn. I, I'm not saying he went against anybody on that defense that's going to be drafted. I don't think he will. But uh, he looked great in that game. He's very athletic. He's, I think he's able to pull. He's very good in the run game. Holds up well in the passing game as well. Uh, he's coming out. He looks like he's all the way back from the injury that uh, caused him to miss last season. I think he's going to get an invite to the Senior Bowl. I believe you do as well. So it's just I, I think this is the, well, the first real look I had at him, and I saw an athletic player that could sneak his way into that top 100 talk by the time we're all said and done. I'm surprised at how good he's looked coming off that injury. I, I really, I had him lower my rankings coming into the year. I thought hey, he's going to struggle almost right out the gate. I thought he played well and is getting better. So I, I love that. And uh, I'm, I don't know. It feels like a day two interior lineman. Yeah, it does. Who's uh who's that offensive standout for you? Yeah, look, we're, we're going small school here. I got to watch Holy Cross versus Fordham. Uh, I'm going with Jalen Coker, the wide receiver for Holy Cross. Five, five catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown. You know, probably going to be like borderline draftable, but I think he's a name when you look at the small school skill position players, probably one of the best. 6'3", 213, really ran down the seam. You know, he was the most athletic player on that offense. Like, I think he's going to have a pretty athletic workout. I think you combine the size and the athleticism and the production, it becomes really intriguing. So, yeah, Holy Cross, really, I was really impressed uh, with their offense in this game. Well, I'm just going to ask you about this because we talked about it all fair. So I'm going to let you elaborate a little bit on this uh, interior offensive lineman from Holy Cross that you were enamored with. Yeah, yeah, uh, CJ Hansen, who we're going to add to our, uh, our, you know, our, our watch list here as we watch through. 
just uh, you know, guard that's been a lot of experience, six six, like really long arms. And I mean, he was he was uh pulling for Holy Cross. Uh, you know, I, I always love to see that for a small school lineman. Can they pull? Can they get out in front? Uh, do they have the athleticism to do that? Because if not, you're not playing in the NFL. And he he was doing that. They were kind of just um run a lot of those kind of counter plays behind him that worked really well i thought he was a big catalyst for that offense maybe an intriguing once again late round undrafted free agent type part of that's why you what 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 you just said those traits are why you see uh north dakota state offensive linemen have so much success uh coming into the nfl because they they operate just like that uh best defensive player i watched this week and i feel like this is the Second time I watched Virginia Tech, both games I've watched him, he has dominated. And that's the former Florida transfer, Antoine Powell Ryland, edge rusher from Virginia Tech. Big sack numbers this year. Had two more uh, sacks this week of Garrett Schrader uh, against Syracuse. He's just he, – he gets around that edge and he just flattens and just explodes into the quarterback. That's what you want. That's A, number one, you want to see from an edge rusher. He does that. Uh, very well. Um, only 245. I think he's 6'2", 245. So he's probably going to be a stand-up, you know, backer at the NFL level. So he's going to have to learn how to operate in space a little bit more. But I think as a third down, go get him. I think there's a lot of value for someone like uh, Powell Ryland at the next level. Yeah, super interesting. I think Virginia Tech's starting to play well. Powell Ryland, you know, he has the production – in one of the better offensive line conferences, to me, that's a big, uh, you know, a, a big tick for him as a potential day three draftable player. Uh, has kind of the pedigree, like you mentioned. So Miranda will be happy. She's a she's a hokey. So good. There you go. Uh, who was that best defensive player you watched this week? I got a big name for me. It's uh, Braylon Trice, the edge rusher from Washington. It's kind of disappointed me this year. Like I was expecting to come in and see dominance, and I, this game against Stanford, despite Stanford putting up thirty some points on Washington, Braylon Trice was dominant. Four quarterback hurries in the game, had a sack. Uh, he was kind of consistently in the backfield. And it was the first time this year that I've watched him where he was really switching things up. It wasn't just all trying to get the first step to the outside and get around the edge. You know, he had a couple inside moves that he tried to use. He was trying to kind of spin and rip and had some of those work. So I, I don't know if it's developing or maybe just something he hasn't been pulling out of his toolbox. Um, but it kind of felt like the Braylon Trice of last year that we were really high on as a potential first round pick. Yeah, well, I'll, we'll talk a little bit about them in, in a minute because I'll be watching them this week. I expect them this week. He'll probably have some, uh, some big, big numbers this week. <laughs> uh, so with that said, let's move on to week 10 now of college football. And uh, eight games again for us this week. And I'm going to double up tomorrow night, Shane. Starting at 6.30 p.m. on ESPN2, they call it the battle for the belt because they give out a championship belt as a trophy. South Alabama hasn't beat Troy in a – it's been a minute. Uh, they're going on the road to Troy, and we've we've talked about both of these teams this season. We both watched uh, – we both watched South Alabama at least once, I think, and Troy's got some – they've got some good players. We, I think we like Richard Gibbonor, their linebacker prospect. Kamani Vidal, one of the best running backs yardage-wise in the nation. Uh, this year, and we like their safety, Dale Pettis, a little bit. 
South Alabama, uh, we've talked about LaDamian Webb, undersized running back, but it's putting up big numbers uh, this year as well. I wanted to talk about a receiver because I'm going to mention him a little bit later uh, when we talk about your senior bowl picks. Uh, second leading receiver in the FBS right now, yardage-wise, is South Alabama's Colin Lacey. And I think he's got a chance. He's 5'10", 190. May not, he may not be in the draft this year. I don't know. Uh, but he's a fourth. We're, we've got him as a fourth-year player, so he's probably going to operate in that slot area uh, at the next level, but he's putting up big numbers. He can go, he can go downfield and get the ball. He can make the short area. He's got that short area quickness, can separate. I think Colin Lacey's got an NFL chance. No, I, I think he does have an NFL chance. I don't expect him to declare this year. Like, uh, you know, um, it's kind of this is what I feel. I felt like Devin Boyson was going to be, you know, this yes. was kind of his role. And now Colin Lacey, he was injured. Yeah. He was, he got hurt and is out for the year. Colin Lacey stepped in immediately. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm a fan, especially as you know, a college fantasy football guy like Colin Lacey's been phenomenal. So um, that's a good call. And I, you know, I like Ian Banks, South Alabama safety. I watched the other day play some special teams. Another guy maybe won't be in this draft, but uh, he he's a name that's been rising up my list. Uh, quickly, what is your thoughts on Carter Bradley, their quarterback? I was hoping for better things. Like I like coming into the year, I thought, okay, maybe this is a guy that could have a chance to be in a camp, do something. And, and he might still have that chance. Um, it has not been consistent enough for me to feel good about Carter Bradley's NFL future. That's fair enough. Uh, also tomorrow night on ESPN at six 30, I'll be watching Wake Forest at Duke. I haven't officially watched either one of these teams this year. Uh, Raleigh Leonard is not, having the season that I think a lot of people anointed him to be myself included uh, struggling a little bit. So anxious to see him play. I know we both love their offensive tackle, Graham Barton. Uh, I'm a big fan of a couple of their defenders, uh, RJ Oben on the edge, as well as uh, defensive lineman, Dwayne Carter. Um, Wake Forest. My main focus in this game is going to be on cornerback, Kalen Carson, well, I've heard a lot of good things about. Yeah, I mean, Kalen Carson's been one of the shining spots of Wake Forest's entire team. It's, it's been kind of a disappointing season for them. Uh, but the, their secondary has some players, and Carson definitely leads that. So that's a good one. I also kind of like Jalen Calhoun, the, the receiver for Duke. They have been able to have the success throwing the ball this year, we expected. But I think he's uh, more talented than his numbers indicate. Moving on to Saturday now at 11 a.m. on ESPN2. Shane, you'll be watching, speaking of disappointing football teams, uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks have been not too good. They'll take on the uh, Florida Gators this week. And we mentioned last week or before the Georgia game that you were coming around on Graham Mertz. Um, not sure how you feel about him after last week. <laughs> not, 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 not the best performance against Georgia, but that's what – Georgia does to you. So I guess I got to put Graham Mertz back in the box for a little while and see what happens. Um, yeah. I mean, Arkansas had definitely has been disappointing. I think, you know, I, I think their, their edge rushers have been good. Um, we've talked about it before. Trajan Jeff coach John Morgan, the third uh, Eric Gregory, um, Bo Lemer, their um, interior lineman, I think is, is draftable. Um you know, Florida has uh, – I know you you always talk about Ricky Pearsall, their 
receiver, he had a pretty solid uh, performance against Georgia. So I'm definitely going to keep an eye on him, see if he can dominate in this one. Yeah, Pearsall, I think, has got a chance to be a, a, a big slot at the next level. I don't yeah. I don't think he's an outside receiver, but I, I think he's going to make his living as, as, as one of those guys that, that – that, can out muscle guys over the middle, not the little quick shifty guy. He's just going to make his way there. Basically, a small tight end almost uh, over the middle. Shane is. Uh, why do I feel like you watch every year we've done this? I feel like you have watched <laughs> this game every year. I'm just, I'm, it's always a great game. I'm, I'm not like kidding. I, I feel this. like North Dakota State at South Dakota State, 2 p.m. on ESPN yes. Plus. Every year you, you're on this. You game. never take it. You can take I, it, bro. I, I don't. I don't take it. You're right. Uh, but I feel like we flipped roles here. It's normally North Dakota State is the school that is more talented and dominant of NFL prospects. That is not the case this year. Uh, the Jackrabbits loaded Garrett Greenfield, um, Isaiah Davis, the running back, Jaden and Jackson Janky, the wide receivers, Mason McCormick, offensive lineman, Zach Hines, tight end. I mean, these are all guys that could be drafted uh, out of South Dakota State, I don't think they're all will be drafted, but I mean, at least I think four of them probably will be, though. Yeah, I, I think at worst case, all the names you said are going to be uh, in camps, you know, yeah. be signed, right? So that's pretty good for South Dakota State. You know, I like Isaiah Davis, um, the running back there. I think he'll definitely be drafted day three, and Garrett Greenfield light, but the, some of the zone blocking schemes, I think, are really going to like him. North Dakota State. Not too much this year. Uh, I think Jalen Sundell, their interior lineman, maybe has a shot um, to be something. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a little bit barren there for up north. Yeah. Uh, 6.30 p.m. on ESPNU. I will be watching SMU at Rice. Uh, SMU has been just beating, beating people down here recently, man. They are they're – la- they're going out in a blaze of glory there in their final year of the American athletic conference. And uh, they've got some, they've got some NFL guys on this roster. I like Ja'Kai Clark, their interior offensive lineman, their deep interior defensive lineman. Elijah Chapman is a good player. Uh, Rice receiver um, Luke McCaffrey been getting a lot of buzz here uh, lately in, in draft circles as a potential draftable wide receiver. Brother of Christian McCaffrey, so you have the bloodlines. You know that McCaffrey family has put numerous players into the NFL. Uh, Luke McCaffrey, former quarterback at Michigan, he's bumped around places, but you know, athletic. He's big. He can move, and he's kind of honed those receiver skills. I think finally this year, you're you're seeing that uh, as they put up big offensive numbers, he's getting open, doing things after the catch. I yeah, I think he gets drafted this year. I may have them confused. I think Luke was at Nebraska, and Dylan was at Michigan. Oh, I think you're. I think you're right. That was my fault. Yeah. Look, I'm. I'm getting all the McCaffreys. Uh, confused. Too many McCaffreys, man. Too, Too many, many McCaffreys. McCaffreys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, he was at Nebraska. Okay. Uh, anybody else from SMU that you like? Um, I mean, it won't be this year, but their quarterback Preston Stone is really intriguing. Good, Wait good his turn. In size, yeah. Wait his turn. Sat there third year. We won't see him this year, but I think it's a name to keep on the back burner for 25. 6.30 p.m. on ABC. Uh, we won't have to keep many of these names on the back burner for the 2024 draft. Washington at Southern Cal. Washington, I, double digits players drafted this year. I, I think that's going to happen. 
I think they're going to be darn close at the very least. Uh, if, if they all declare, then yeah, you're going to yeah. get double digits. Uh, Southern Cal probably will not have double digit players drafted, but they could have the top player drafted, and that's quarterback Caleb Williams. They're on the struggle bus here lately, and uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. I, this is going to be a fun like quarterback battle with him and Michael Penix. I think that's that's the attraction here, and we've we've raved on and on about the wide receiver prospects for uh, Washington, but. A player we haven't talked a lot about. Tell me if you've seen, is he back to injury form, pre-injury form here? Uh, Zion Tapola Fatui from Washington. Are, are, are we back to a uh, top 100 draftable player here? I, th- I think we're getting there. Uh, he, I actually considered him for my defensive player of the week because he played well against Stanford too, not quite as well as Braylon Trice, but I think you're starting to see that fervor get back. Top 100, maybe not. But I think round four, round five, it might end up being a steal uh, for for ZTF. So a lot of you know a lot of good prospects in this. And we had uh, Dane Brugler from the Athletic come out today, and and he has moved Drake May above Caleb Williams, kind of the the talk, the buzz of the NFL draft world. So um, we'll see if this game for Caleb Williams, he can he can get it back. It feels like that's been building for a while now with with a lot of people. We're not there yet. I, I'm not. I'm not going to be there, but it can. Unless, unless Caleb Williams wants to play Notre Dame every week, I think we'll be good. Yeah. Um, another guy I want to keep my eyes eyes on heavily this week is Washington uh, offensive lineman Troy Fotanu. Uh, seen a lot of buzz about him as well. He's a beast. I mean, playing left he, tackle. Yeah, but he's gonna. We're projecting him inside, right? Yeah, and you know, I think it's he's going to be one of those on the line that we'll have to decide at the end of the season. Right. We move him to tackle. We, you know, I think it depends on the team, but I mean, he is, uh, he's. I I think does his tapes the, does his tape think that he he can stick outside? I think his tape last year said no, and his tape this year says yes. Like I I didn't think so coming into the year this year. I'm like, oh man, he he's moving a lot lot better. Maybe he drops some weight. So in 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 the situ situ, you know what? We'll we'll, we'll table that because. Uh, that that could be a discussion for a little bit later. Uh, the the always this game is 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 loaded right in NFL talent, and you're going to get this one. Uh, it says six forty five on CBS. This game ain't starting at six forty five, folks. Maybe seven fifteen. Uh, this is about the time it's going to kick off on CBS. LSU at Alabama. What can we say? This is loaded. Uh, Brian Kelly's trying to become only the fourth coach to beat Nick Saban. Uh, like in back-to-back seasons, and Jaden Daniels is trying to become the first quarterback to beat a Nick Saban coach team in back-to-back seasons since Drew Brees at Purdue. Wow. He was the Michigan State coach. A quarterback has not beaten Nick Saban back-to-back years. Jaden Daniels trying to do that this week. Uh, You mentioned Dane Brugler's uh, top 50 uh, players. His number three quarterback It's not Bo Nix. It's not Michael Penix. It's Jaden Daniels from LSU. We talked about it a few weeks ago. I, I think he is definitely on that trajectory. I think he is firmly in the uh, top probably 60 prospects right now for sure. Um, I think I had him in my new board that high this week. I think I had him in the 50s, I believe. So he has definitely moved up. I'm anxious to see how he plays in this game because this game is always, to me, like when you're looking at prospects, when you're looking at SEC prospects, 
How did they play against Alabama? So this is this is a litmus test, I think, for Jaden Daniels this year. And I think the game last year is what put him back on the NFL right. draft radar. You're like, oh, okay, well, this guy can play. And this year, now Jaden Daniels is throwing the ball well. So yeah, I mean, he he he's gonna get first round buzz at some point. And I, I think I think LSU can beat Alabama in this game. Uh, so I'm excited to see that matchup. You know, another player to talk about as a potential top 100 pick is uh, Alabama receiver Jermaine Burton, who's come back out of nowhere, had hype last year, did nothing, uh, transferring from Georgia to Alabama. This year, he's been the favorite target, um, you know, at, at Alabama for Jalen Milrow. So he's, you know, we know he has the athletic talent. Now the production's matching for Jermaine Burton. I, I think he's an interesting name to watch here as we move forward in the process. Unfortunately, one player you, we, you will not see this week is LSU defensive lineman Makai Wingo. Uh, he has surgery, and he is his 2023 season is probably over. Their hope is that he can get ready for the draft process, though. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm higher on him than most people. Uh, seeing the early weeks, we'll see if, if the – If he enters the, process, the draft. If he enters the draft. Uh, As a third he has that player. kind of talent, yeah. Uh, finally, this week, uh, 9 p.m. on ESPN, Oregon State at Colorado. Uh, their, their offensive line is so wrecked. Like, I, I see South Carolina's offensive line on a weekly basis, and I feel good about their offensive line compared to Colorado's. And Shadur Sanders is taking a beating week in, week out. Um I'm anxious to see how they do this week. Oregon State, they took an L last week, right, uh, against Arizona. Yeah. And Arizona's 5-2, and two, man. And I don't know how they lost to Mississippi State. That's a game they, they probably wish they could get back, to be honest. Uh, but Oregon State, they've got two offensive tackles here. I think one maybe ends up inside. But Joshua Gray, uh, Talise Fuaga, uh, both of those guys could be at the Senior Bowl this year. Um, so they, and they're protecting DJ Uyangaloy, who is having a bounce back season, uh, is one, it is a quarterback that it's borderline, uh, senior bully. Yeah. I, I, you know, y'all wonder if he goes back for another year and tries to solidify that, but, uh, they, they have a, a young freshman in the wings there. I mean, DJ, DJ Uyangaloy is draftable. You're six four two fifty with that kind of athleticism. You're drafting him. Um, I also like the receiver, Anthony Gold. I, I almost put him on my senior bowl list. Very close. 4-3 uh, speed. He's going to be one of the fastest receivers in the draft. And, you know, those guys at the senior bowl always look great. So he's he's a fun uh, fun name. Yeah. We, we talk about that every year, and you're like, well, just because those little short, fast guys dominate doesn't mean they're gonna. it's going to translate. It early on, it seems to have translated for Tank yeah. Dell. Tank Dell, so, it worked well. So I was, I, I had to eat crow on that one. Yeah. All right. So that's going to do it uh, for our look ahead to week 10. Now brings us to the sad Shane segment of the week. <laughs> look, the good Brian segment, though. Look at you. Shane, three and seven, man, on the Ooh. lock of the week. This is not good. Last week, you picked Florida to cover 14 and a half. <laughs> I immediately bet Georgia. And, and you won. And, See, that's all you got Handily. Yeah. Um, I, I hit last week with Troy handily uh, beating Texas State on the road. So I'm up to six and four on the year. Shane, three and seven. Shane, 
I even suggested, man, maybe you pick an over under this week. Let's let's, <laughs> let's change it up. Let's try something different. Yeah, but, right, I don't think like, that's what you're gonna do. It was like, don't pick my team, right? That, that's uh, that's what we're we're getting now. Don't don't pick them. Well, I, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing the over under. Uh, I am calling. I'm calling for an outright upset. I'll take the points here. Kansas State plus four and a half against Texas. Quinn Ewers uh, is, is still banged up, and Malik Murphy played pretty well. I think Kansas State is playing extremely well. They have a good running back duo in, in Giddens and Trayshawn Ward. Uh, uh, you know, Will Howard's playing really well for them. I, I think Kansas State is one of the better, maybe the best team in the Big 12 this year, and just not kind of getting the respect. I think they can go into Texas and, and pull this upset. So give me the four and a half. Take that for what you will, everybody. Go run those tickets. Go, go, you Texas. go the other way. Go the other way, I guess. Um, I like that. I do. I I I, I kind of like that. I, I I'm torn here. I've got three games on my list here that I really like, but I'm gonna go with one of them that I'm watching this week. I'm gonna take on the road, and by on the road, it's like right down the road. SMU dominant football right now. Twelve and a half point favorite at Rice. Give me the ponies to cover that big number, 12 and a half. I also like Jerry Kill's team playing great ball right now. Diago Pavia playing great. Yeah, They're a three-point favorite at home against Middle Tennessee. I like New Mexico State there. Yeah. Also nice. like UNLV, minus nine and a half at New Mexico. But lock of the week this week is SMU, minus 12 and a half at Rice. All, all favorites. So parlay, uh, parlay all three of Brian's and – I guess Texas, if you want to sort of as well, get all those favorites. If you if you want to be cussing at the one game that screwed your parlay, throw Texas. Third, third Kansas State on there. Yeah. But if you if you if not, then bet on Texas to cover. All right. That's gonna do it for our lock of the week segment. All right. Uh we're gonna wrap up our offensive uh player ranking top fives here of players that we expect to enter the draft and I'm going to make a last minute change to mine because I didn't take to the expect to enter the draft part of this. So I'm going to drop one of my guys out and add somebody else in, but we're going to get, <laughs> that's good stuff. Yeah. See, look, Dwayne doesn't want me to pick Southern Miss. So everyone's, everyone's let me tell you, it doesn't matter <laughs> with that team. <laughs> They're, they're bad. Frank, look, Frank they, Gordon, hey, they, hey, they did cover. They did cover time. last week. They did yeah. cover last week against App State. Still got beat, but they did cover. All right, so let's get to that offensive line, and I think we're going to have different number ones for the. This might be the first time this season. I think we're going to have different number one offensive linemen. I'm going to start, and I'm going to go with the guy who's been my number one offensive lineman. I think he could have been the number one offensive tackle drafted last year. I think he's the number one offensive tackle drafted this year. I'm going to stick with Penn State's Olu Fashanu. I think he's been dominant in almost every game. The only game he wasn't 100% dominant was Ohio State, and he was still dominant 95% of the game. I think Fashanu is that dude. I think he's athletic, strong. I love him at, at the top. Top offensive line spot. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, no, look, I have him as my number one offensive tackle as well. Really? Oh, I do. I do. I love, look, I, the high state game, 95% being a little generous. A, 
but, uh, you know, I, I think he did play well in that first half and has played consistently well this season. The size and athleticism, that upside to me puts Fashanu number one, uh, even if he doesn't have the same consistency as my number two offensive tackle. I think it's razor thin. I'd be happy with, with either one, but uh, I think what you said about Olu Fashanu from Penn State is accurate, and uh, he's, he'll probably will be a top five pick. All right, so you think this guy could ultimately end up as a top offensive tackle in this class. The, the guy you have at number two, it's Joe Alt from Notre Dame. Right tackle only, or right tackle at Notre Dame, right? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but uh, talk to me about Joe Alt and why you like him at almost better than Olu Fashano. Well, you know, he's, he's playing uh, left tackle. Blake Fisher's okay. the right tackle there. So, uh, no, you're fine. I, I, I like the consistency. I mean, the, Joe Alt started from day one, 18 years old, freshman season, and wasn't a, a Notre Dame has played and has been consistent in that. Is he overwhelming with his power? Is he overwhelming – with uh you know with, with the athleticism not always but the hand placement's consistent the footwork's consistent he plays smart he can you know pick up a a, a free rusher like plays really smart i maybe the upside isn't there for shanu but i think the consistency put put joe all on the patriots i think he's a 12-year left tackle who you know excels under bill belichick for example and very well could be where he ends up might be um, number, th- I, I don't know if we're going to have the same number three or not. My number three is a definite upside guy who I think has flashed, but has had, uh, was injured a little bit, uh, this season. Uh, I'm going with George's Amarius Mims, six, seven, three, 15. I've got him number three on my board. I mean, he's just, he's dominated, uh, in the sec since he's taken over the reins there. And he seems to only be getting better. Like he's, he's, a He's good now, but a lot of upside, I think, with with Mims. Yeah, so I, I I am torn on Mims. He might be on my list. I I'm not sure if I if he if I think he's going to declare for the draft or not. And so that's my, my number one, four is who I'm pulling out. And I, yeah, that's that's my one hold up that I might pull Mims out like six seven three fifteen. Like you said, high upside athletic freak. I see it. Uh, but I think with the injuries or Georgia loses the SEC to LSU or so, you know, to, to Alabama or something and get knocked out of the playoff, I could see him coming back to school. Um, so I'm leaning to not having him on my list, but would be in my top five if uh, if I thought he was going to declare. He very well might and could be a first-round pick. So I don't think it's a bad option. there. All right, so who's your number three then? Like whatever, I'm, I'm way too high on this player, and I wrote about him for the site. Uh, you know, I'm clear, it's clearly one of my guys. That's uh, Kingsley Suamatea from BYU. Just uh, you know, a little bit on the smaller side, but he he can move. I mean, he he's he wrecks. Um, uh, you know, moving off the snap uh, is a great run blocker. You know, crack back like he is making that BYU offense run, and you see. He's on the freak list, five-star recruit at Oregon that transferred to BYU. Um, and I think for, from the time he stepped on the field, you can see the athleticism. He, he matches any edge rusher he faces. I think Suamatea 
is going to be a, a late riser. I think he will declare as well because of the pedigree and you're not winning much at BYU in a year. So, um, so he's three on my list. I had him at four on my list, wrote down to talk to him, but the, I just talked myself out of it because I think because of the size, what you said, I think he stays another year, adds a little more bulk. Plus, how many times do BYU players come out early? That's true. It, it doesn't seem like it happens a lot, right? Um, so that's why I'm pulling him back out of my – I had him at four. I'm pulling him back. So now I'm going to plug in Alabama's dominant, and I mean dominant. Their other four offensive linemen have not been dominant. The the hold up the mainstay here the 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 prize fighter is J C Latham on the right side who at six six listed at three oh five I think he's bigger than that has just mauled everybody all season long I I I, I love J C Latham's game in both the run and as a pass blocker I, I I think he could actually go higher up the board when the process is done but he's currently I'm moving him up to four on this list. I'm gonna I'm gonna put him at number five because I'm with you. I think he does declare for the draft. Um, I I think like your list, I take Amarius Mims slightly over J.C. Latham for the upside, but I think Latham consistently productive this year on that left side. And and when Alabama's offense is rolling, especially in the run game, they're going to the left side. <laughs> like once they start doing that, it works. Uh, Tommy Reese just just do just go behind J.C. Latham and, and you're good. So, but he's my number five. So, who's your number four? Is it Mims? No, I'm going oh. with a guy we talked about earlier in the show. I'm going hey. with Talise Fuaga, offensive tackle out of Oregon State. Um, maybe has played the best out of any offensive tackle this season that I've watched. Um, you know, and, he, and he's big. I mean, he's 6'6, he's 325. I thought, you know, he could be an interior lineman. Um, potentially, but he he's played really well uh, in terms of you know in terms of the offense. So playing on the right side, uh, it's probably where he plays in the NFL. Um, but like Talise Fuaga gets his hands under you and drives you back. I mean that, that the run game is working for Oregon State. He's there. I don't think he's allowed a sack this year. Uh, just a, a really dominant performance of a guy coming into the year. I wouldn't expect to have been in my top five offensive tackle. Yeah, I, I he stuck out to me when I was I was mainly focusing on Joshua Gray, who's also very good and has a chance to be drafted in the top one hundred. Yeah. Uh, he's their left tackle, as you mentioned. Um, so moving, so J.C. Latham is going to be your five, correct? Is correct. That, that was, okay. So Latham was my five up for this exercise. I moved him up to four because I, I'm I don't think Sal Matea is going to be in this draft class. So number five now on my list is a guy who has really stood out to me you know, from some of the tape I've watched, and I think he's another guy who's got some high upside and great length at 6'7", 315, is Houston offensive tackle Patrick Paul. is a guy who's really, really emerged to me a lot. I consider Graham Barton here as well, but I think Patrick Paul, high upside here. I think he's going to test well, has a chance to come down to Mobile as well and have a big week. So I, I, I'm going to go with the Cougar here. Yeah, he's definitely in that next tier for me. Uh, I love the length. I think that's going to be awesome. I think he'll get a lot of hype uh, in Mobile for sure. 
is kind of a good group of older offensive tackles, I think, after the ones that we covered um, to me that yeah. Patrick Paul's a part of. Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, Graham Barton from Duke. Uh, A.J. Cornelius, the Rhode Island transfer at Oregon, is another guy who I think is is going to get some buzz as well. And uh, did you did you mention Jordan Morgan at Arizona? I, I don't know if you did. Or I not. did. I did not. But that's that's another. Yeah, good name. that's yeah. another good good name. Anthony Belton, NC State, is another one. This is a good tackle class. I think is is the grand. Uh, <laughs> yeah. way of putting it. No, now neither of us picked an interior lineman. We did not. So. <laughs> you, uh, we want to let you want to touch on who I think. I mean, I think we both have these as the top two guys: Cedric Von Prahn, Georgia Cooper, BB from Kansas State. Yeah, those are the top two interior offensive. All right, so let's quickly uh, let's quickly recap here who we have as the top five uh, offensive linemen in this draft class that we think will enter. Uh, I have. At one, Olu Fashano, Penn State. Two, Joe Alt from Notre Dame. Three, Amarius Mims, Georgia. Four, J.C. Latham, Alabama. And five, Patrick Paul from Houston. Shane's top five offensive linemen in this class that he thinks will declare. Number one, Olu Fashano, Penn State. Two, Joe Alt, Notre Dame. Three, Kingsley Salmatea from BYU. Four, Talise Fuega from Oregon State. And number five, J.C. Latham from Alabama. So that is our top five offensive linemen in the 2024 class that we think will declare. Good year to need an offensive tackle is the uh, the answer to this question. <laughs> yeah, the NFL needs a lot better offensive They need They need this influx. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this, this. yes. All right. We mentioned at the top, it's senior bowl season, baby. And senior bowl invites are, I think Jim Nagy said they're fixing to start going out in the next seven to ten days. So this is why we pick this time every year, Shane to make our predictions. And we've done pretty well. First year, I think we hovered around the, the 50% mark. Last year, we got close to 60, if not over 60% of the guys that we predicted to make the roster, made the roster at some point in time. Maybe not that initial wave, but they got on there at some point. But that's still pretty good, right? 60% for guys who we have no idea who, who who's on their board and whatnot. We just take an educated guesses, and this is what we come up with. Last year, I took you out of your comfort zone, Shane, gave you defense. I took offense. I let you come back to the offensive side of the ball this year, and you put those out today. I Everybody go to draftcountdown.com. Check out Shane's Senior Bowl offensive roster predictions. Um, and it has a chance to be a pretty stud group this year with all the guys that came back to school. Uh, but also, we we when we do these guesses, we have no idea who's going to go back to school we really don't even know if these guys are eligible to be in this game. We're just going, they're four years out of school. They should be eligible, and maybe they're not. I think there was a couple instances last year where they weren't, and we didn't know it. So we're not privy to that information. That's why they're predictions, not facts. But um, I, I was looking at your list, and I'm like, I think I can nitpick a little bit here with uh, yeah. with, with Shane's guys, and maybe – Maybe I can uh, offer up some one guy that maybe should get in. Uh, at the quarterback position, uh, there wasn't a whole lot here to argue with. And you had Daniels, Hartman, Nix, Penix, Rattler, Travis. I think if one I'd pull out was Sam Hartman. If if I was taking one out, I I said DJ Uyangole. You said you don't think he, he may even declare. So <laughs> it's – it could go either way, but that was the one that I had um, 
there. Like I said, that's it's it's nitpicking. Yeah, no, I mean, that's fair. I think Hartman's the last one on my list. Uh, we talked before, like yeah. Dylan Gabriel. I think is probably my next up. That was like, eh, you know, he could he could be up. The running back group that you have is is, is loaded, man. I mean, it is loaded. Uh, I I like that Jace. You got Jace McClellan in because that feels like a Senior Bowl pickup. It just does. They're they're going to be short on Alabama players this year because there's not a lot of them eligible for the game. They're going to take what they can get. Uh, for uh, the box office value, if you will. Yes. Uh, if I had to put one guy in there that I thought maybe gets a nod, but I think he's probably not, and that's Frank Gore Jr. from Southern Miss. I, I I don't think he gets into the game, but he was the one guy that I, I could have snuck in. Who, who who would you take out? Uh, that was I, the I tough mean, part for me. It's very tough, and if I had to take out one, it would be McClellan, but I, I just think, like I said, box office draw. I don't think I'm pulling him out. Right, right. So. Yeah, because you know, I like Gore. I think the small school guys, Isaiah Davis and Dylan Lobb from uh, New Hampshire, too, but just couldn't fit them in. Yeah. Um, you had two fullbacks on here. Jim Nagy uh, tweeted out the other day, there will be no true fullbacks uh, at the Senior Bowl game this year because they're just not good enough. Uh, you went with two. Jaheim Bell, Florida State, I think is a lock uh, it, it, at that H-back uh, fullback tight end position. And these are essentially extra tight ends in the game, right? If, if you if you don't know, uh, you had Brant Cuthy uh, from Utah as the other. He's probably going to be out. So I like Marshall Martin, a guy you listed as uh, could have been. I think to get their small school uh, quota up a little bit, uh, maybe you go with a, an athlete like him in that in that spot uh, had a chance. I, I I wouldn't be so certain that Brant Cuthy's out. There's some rumors that he's just. Not playing and not could play. play right now. Uh, so shutting it down for the draft. So we'll see. Uh, those guys don't tend to play in the all-star games, though. They don't, but I think he's going to need the rehab of these draft stock, right? You know, I mean. Sure. I mean, it, and if that's the case, the senior bowl will definitely take him. I think they'll be ecstatic to have him there. If that is yeah, I, I like Marshall Martin, too. I think it's a good, good pick. Uh, you had 16 wide receivers total. Again, I, very hard to argue with anybody uh, of those 16 you had on your list. Um, I, I talked about him earlier, and we're talking about box office guys. Uh, I think if you could take one out, I don't know who that one would be. Um, uh, I think Colin Lacey from uh, South Alabama um, gets in. Jalen, Similar to how Jalen Wayne uh, last year was on the Senior Bowl roster, I think there, there could be a spot. Uh, for Lacey, um, Aeneas Smith, Texas A&M is another that I would have that I, that I liked at that position as well. Yeah, I mean, Luke McCaffrey, we talked about, I think yeah. could be in, yeah. intriguing. A receiver is always tough because yeah. I always feel like there's a couple guys that come out of nowhere and then, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're pretty good. We didn't really watch them, um, but but it feels like a, a decent receiver group. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with that, uh, that list. But not all the initial invites are gonna, I, th- I think Lacey gets on. Because someone says no, yeah. and they, you know, we'll be yeah. might not even know it. Yeah. Um, you went with seven tight ends, including an injury for Eric All. Um, th- this was another one that I maybe Tyler Warren is who I would take out or Brevin Span forward. I, I think Trey Knox is getting here. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that as I swear to God, I'm not saying that as a South Carolina homer. I think Trey Knox is an NFL, like a, a he's going to be an NFL too. 
uh, tight end. Hey, uh, look, it's fair. Yeah, I mean, I think Brevin Spanford could not be left out because he hasn't done anything this year. So, um, yeah, Trey Knox is next up, which makes sense. I think Jalen Conyers from Arizona State was probably my next up. But... He could be in that fullback spot too, by the way, Jalen Conyers. I, th- I thought that's true that too. Well. That, that's yeah. that's a good call. Yeah. Uh, 25 offensive linemen on your list, including one injury, and I – think he'll definitely be down here for interviews and stuff. And that's uh, Kyron um, Mega G from Yale. Um, I, I can't pull anybody off this list. This is a good list. Uh, I put maybe Javon Foster just because I've seen Nagy talk about him a lot over the past two years. That was the only – but I, I'm not taking anybody off this list. Maybe some the, more Maybe some more Michigan guys. I, I know how many Michigan guys can I put on the Jim Nagy is a Michigan alum for God's sake, Shane. Right. You got to take that into account. That's fair. We can't can't have seven of them on here. You sure about um, that? <laughs> I one one guy that I didn't put on the list uh, as a fourth year player, Tate Ratledge out of Georgia, uh, wasn't on the watch list, but to me would have been on the watch list if he was eligible. So I left him off. But that's a name that like if he can be on, he'll be on. Right. Uh, you had two kickers. I'm not arguing with that. Uh, I don't think you wanted to put Will Reichert on, but you know those rules. Uh, yeah, same thing good. for Oscar Chapman. There was no other Auburn players you had here. Got to get, got to get one. Uh, he gets in at punter. Tory Taylor from Iowa, I think, is the number one. Right. Yeah, to, to me he is, but yeah, specialist. I'm, you know, I'm not the best at them, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, two long snappers here. Nobody cares. All right. I, I care. I think I care. We've, we've had wrong snappers drafted, you know. They the should. They should, they should. <laughs> All right. We had one question come in on the Discord, and I think it is very prevalent to what we talked about tonight. Uh, Todd Williams. Well, I'm sorry. He he direct messaged you this on Twitter. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it's fine. He's, he, he listens to the show, so you can talk yeah. a good day. Uh, he said you can answer this question via the podcast. He said, I'd like to know the process of player evaluation to switching from right tackle to left tackle. Would you pick or bypass a top-ranked guy like Alt to play on the opposite side? What are the qualifications or vice versa for going from left tackle to right tackle? A really good question because I think it is a tough evaluation to say, ah, well, this guy, this offensive tackle is really good. We need a right tackle. We'll just put him there. You see a guy like Darnell Wright last year. Right. I mean, great right tackle, but no one was drafting him to play left because he was kind of heavy footed. And so that kick slide to the left side is a harder evaluation to say, oh, he can handle those type of pass rushers. I think in the NFL, we are losing that like the left tackle is the better guy. Like that's going away. And we have a lot of good pass rushers that are attacking right tackles. But I think for the left side to kind of move to your left, most linemen need a little more athleticism, you know, need to be a little more quicker on their feet, a little more quicker hands. Like if I, if I want to move a guy from the right side to left side, they have to really impress me. That's a tougher eval. Left to right, um, oftentimes I want someone who I know can run block really well. So it's like Joe Alt. Could he play on the right side? Probably. I probably wouldn't want to draft him to play right tackle. You know, he's not a dominating run blocker on that side. You want someone that can seal the edge and you're probably wasting a little bit of those talents might happen. We've seen it happen. He might be great, you know, uh, but I think that's really what I'm looking for when I look for 
you know, the pass protection, the kick slide, more important on the left side, the right side, I think it's an easier adjustment to make for that, but a tougher adjustment to make to seal that right side edge. Um, but the line is getting blurred and I think it's less, you know, less like it was 20 years ago where the left guy protects your blind side and the, you know, the right guy doesn't set out as important. It's not like that anymore. So let's say you're a team that should be picking in the mid to late, maybe 20s, early 30s, and you have your left tackle in place. Your right tackle is going to be leaving as a free agent, and there's the best available offensive tackle on the board is a left tackle. Are you confident in being able to move him to the right side? I, I wouldn't be fully confident with that. Like, I think most of the time when that happens, teams pass. They, they don't yeah. take that play, right? They'll take a right tackle later. Or that sometimes we get that in the first round. We're like, why did they take this guy who we had rated two, three tackles later? That's because he played the right side of college and the other three didn't. And so we feel a lot more comfortable bringing him in. I think that's where teams are leaning is where they feel comfortable. Now we have guys that have played both. In college and can play both that happens often but um you know yeah i mean that's big and i, I honestly i think playing right tackle in college right now is where it's at because i think there's less of those those guys that are nfl players and you can get drafted higher now we, we talked about it earlier and i want to come back to it it's it's another offensive line like type question and we, and we were talking about it um tape two years ago was bad was with Fatanu, right, from Washington. That's who we were talking about. Yeah. And you said his tape at left tackle two years ago was bad. You didn't you thought he would have to move inside. This year overwhelmingly better. So how do you just throw out what you saw two years ago and stick with what you're seeing now because you think that is that the player now? Or do you is that stick in the back of your mind a little bit, the struggles and like maybe they come back? If you had asked me this question eight years ago, I would have said uh, it sticks in my mind like I, you know, I'll drop them or I'm unsure. But I think we've seen so many of those players work out, you know, now uh, just because of how the, the NFL is going that I, it doesn't bother me. If, as long as the play this year is consistent, that he has the athleticism to be an offensive tackle, then I, I want to grade him as an offensive tackle. And I think you and I are probably going to have the conversation at the end of the year on, on numerous guys we have right now as interior linemen. Okay, we got to kick them back out to tackle, or 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 vice versa, um, because of that. Yep. There you go. A lot of fun offensive line discussion tonight, right? I love it. Yeah, it's a big offensive line show. All right. Uh, final thoughts this week, uh, Shane. You said you had your Senior Bowl uh, predictions. Mine will be up for the defensive side next Wednesday. Uh, looking forward to diving into that and uh, seeing what I can come up with. Again, I think it's a chance to be a very fun edge class down there in Mobile. Um, anxious to see who maybe I have to list as linebacker when I do my guesses because there's a lot of those guys that are on the edge that are they're going to have to stand up whether they want to or not. This is where it's going. So we'll, we'll get into that. And are we going full seven Monday, Shane? Yeah, I, I, I'm going – I think I'm going to do a 2024 now with the trade deadline got me amped up. So we're going to do a seven-round 2024 mock, um, probably with the order draft order as it is uh, that we announced on this show, just so I don't have to change it Sunday night. Um, 
but I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm kind of ready to, I've been starting to put it together a little bit. I love it. Love it. Love the, love seeing them seven round mock drafts with shame. Cause that means I don't have to do one. All right. <laughs> That's going to do it for tonight's edition of the draft countdown podcast. Um, as always, if you uh, are new to the channel, go ahead and uh, subscribe to the channel, hit the like the videos and share them away. Uh, hit the notification bell so you get notified when we go live. If you listen to this on an audio platform, be it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review and share that out as well. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Howell. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. For all of your NFL draft needs, go to DraftCountdown.com. For Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody. 